Welcome to episode 14 of the Catching Up Podcast with Connor and Nick. We're starting off today's show with the Microsoft acquisition of GitHub for over $7 billion in equity. Next is an article from Medium talking about why you should be sharing your ideas when you're a first-time founder. Fortune Magazine has an article with data from Boston Consulting Group saying female founders are far more successful. Do you agree? I definitely do. And lastly, on Founders Live, an idea for a charity to relief student debt. Very controversial, but we're really excited to talk about it. Thank you very much for listening every week. This is episode 14 of the Catching Up Podcast with Connor and Nick. Please enjoy the show. Hey, Nick, what's up? Happy Friday, June 8th. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you? Ah, well... Uh, I was woken up by my girlfriend today. She like had to wake me up to let me know about the news of Anthony Bourdain passing away today. Um, which no way. Just, uh, have you not heard? This is your first time hearing about it. This is, man. I've been heads down on stuff this morning and haven't even checked. Usually I check Twitter and it's like, oh, that's what's going on. But I didn't today. So, man, that's sad. Yeah, that's super sad. And uh, it, it uh, I mean, I, I I didn't know him or anything, but at starting this company, I mean, I've been kind of at, as a, not a goal, but what I tell people part of my vision is, is I always would say like in 2021, when Anthony Bourdain comes back to do a show about Seattle, I wanted to be in a position where, you know, I was one of those people that he comes and sits down with and, and tries to understand more about culture yeah. and all of the city um, and to hear about this today. Um, was kind of just a rough day, rough first thing to be waking up with and told. But uh, uh, my girlfriend knows kind of like how much I'm into all of his content and I've read all his books and um, I watch his shows. So just sad to hear that. Uh, but yeah, I hate to start the show off here on such <laughs> a negative note. Uh, but uh, the show, this is called Catching Up. So uh, Nick, kind of like, how was your week? Did you do anything interesting this week? Man, interesting, uh, I guess. I wouldn't say I've done much interesting. I've just, you know, um, I'm just in that phase where it's like you just work, you're working really hard and pushing forward on a number of deals and projects um, that are finally starting sunlight. <laughs> and, and so that's good, you know, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the dip. Um, I heard a podcast recently that talked about the dip, which Actually, the guest was Seth Godin, and he wrote like 10 years ago, maybe more, a book called The Dip. And long story short, it's kind of like everyone, you know, entrepreneurs get all excited. They jump in. They're going to build their company. And six months or a year later, relatively speaking, whatever the time frame, they hit this like, and that's the reality of like, are you going to make it through the dip that it's not honeymoon phase anymore? And I would just say that, you know, things are going really well with Founders Live, but I've definitely been through a dip in the last couple months of, you know, uh, partners and sponsors and customers, um, a little bit of a dry spell, but we're coming out of that. And it's like, can you and will you get through that dip? And, um, you know, so I've been I've been grinding, man. So oh, man. It's just been crazy. 
And so how do you deal? How do you deal yeah, with that? I mean, like, like, since you're kind of, you're like in it right now. And, and I'm just impressed that you have the self-awareness to even realize like, oh, I'm in that moment right now. Like, like, what are you doing to proactively mm-hmm. engage with that conversation with yourself and kind of uh, try, try to get through it? It's, you know, it's not easy. And, you know, I think you, you know, people respond differently to external pressures and stress. And I, I think the first, the first phase is really just, you know, stepping back and realizing like, okay, I am in that I'm in the dip, like, you know, no need to freak out. But, um, you know, don't let your emotions get the best of you, which is hard. But um, secondly, I think it's start, you know, you should be doing this before you get there, but just being very proactive on your conversations and and who is going to who are you going to bring around you to help you get out of it whether that's you know financing or um you know just really making sure that you're talking with the right clients and customers and 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 executing on the deal closing you know and you just i don't know man it's like you just have to double down not on running in place faster and faster you have to double down on the things that are actually working and getting traction and you know, see those mini wins and yeah. momentum, but oh, not easy, man. Well, I'm not a, easy at all. Positive vibes, and if I can do anything for you, or if you haven't asked for anyone here in the audience, feel free uh, to share that. Um, but if not, we can kind of j- try to change change gears here a little bit and talk about the topics. Yeah, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Um, let's go with the, the big um, news. Yeah. The so to start off, the big news that happened earlier this week: Microsoft is buying GitHub. Uh, and so for $7.5 billion in stock. Um, and so I'm really curious. I haven't read too much about what the details of this acquisition are and kind of like how much are the founders going to be making. Um, and when, when you're thinking about getting Microsoft stock, it, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's a bad time to get Microsoft stock because it's at an all-time high. <laughs> Right. And so like the assumption is that that's going to go up because Microsoft is kind of on this new path of growth. Uh, but when you get the stock at a hundred dollars uh, per share, it's uh, you know, it could have been a lot better a couple weeks ago if they would have gotten the, the, the deal done a little bit earlier. Um, and so I just thought it was funny kind of listening around, uh, especially on Twitter, because that's where a lot of uh, engineers are expressing their feelings. And just seeing like GitLab have a 10F in uh, repositories and, you know, just all these people jumping shit because of the, the, what should I say? The, uh, I, how people see Microsoft is in such a 2001 way that, you know, everyone's jumping ship. And because they have been so anti open source from the beginning of the history, not so much recently, that it's just really funny to see like kind of this panic within the community and everyone jumping ship. But I don't think it's going to change all that much. I think it's a great move for Microsoft, um, especially battling against all these other tech giants. GitHub is kind of one of the biggest places for um, engineers to find talent, to understand what people are working on i think it it was a great acquisition by them but uh 7.5 billion dollars is uh nothing to laugh at no and i i do agree with you that you know when i saw that and it's like all stock you know just being a founder starting to think about this stuff um you know we don't know we don't know the details of that transaction but you know if i was going to be offered an acquisition for my company especially when there's a B in front of it 
and it's quote all stock. Um, and especially Microsoft stock is at an all time high. Um, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I would not want to agree to something of that nature, but you know, who knows the way it works, but you know, quite frankly, that doesn't mean after the transactions done, they, you know, the, those founders of GitHub and the, the, the stock, you know, the shareholders of GitHub couldn't just create a sell strategy and a sell schedule to just start liquidating some of that into cash. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but I think in the, in my, my, general my general thought is i mean on one side it's a pretty strong strategic play by microsoft i get that and you know they they really are you know looking to reposition themselves in a very favorable um you know like a positive nature of open source software and the ability to essentially own the repository of all these millions of developers and code bases and but i think the flip side is absolutely everyone is outraged for a reason and it's i mean we're talking about code ip for you know a tremendous amount of early stage companies growing companies and can we fully trust that microsoft wouldn't throw some ai and machine learning on that to determine what's what's happening what's being pushed during each day and what is the reason why um, I think that that is a scary proposition from a protection of IP standpoint. So there's definitely some. Yeah, I'm not about. sure what uh, what rights there are since they own that. If they're allowed to go, I'm I'm not sure what the security protections are of anything that you put up there. And it is open source, so I I think technically they had access to it anyways. That's kind of how it all works. Uh, but yeah, now they have kind of an even more insider access to to know what's going on. Uh, but they are going to be acting separately. So it's just providing uh, a mothership for GitHub to probably uh, refine some of their processes and, and, and become a stronger company. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think you know, for the little that I know about the exact deal and structure and whatnot, I, I think it's a net positive. Um, it puts it, you know, from the standpoint of, what GitHub is and where it, what it stands for and where it's going, it puts it in hands that there's pretty much, you know, it, it, there's no end to, you know, this company. And if being independent, that's a little more of a, um, a concern. So, you know, it's, it's in a very large corporate hands now. And it, maybe it's a good thing. I just don't know enough, but I would say it's a net positive totally. And if they're not going to IPO, like the mergers and acquisitions, this is the natural lifestyle cycle of a company and you're you're valued at seven billion dollars it's it's you know it's going one way or the other either you got to like ipo and become this Mm -hmm. big corporate entity or someone's going to scoop you up and so it kind of just seems like the natural life cycle of something like this yeah yeah so um another interesting thought here um i saw this uh, this speaking of founders and um, you know, there's, there's always this female founder versus male founder, you know, and it, it is a serious issue. Um, but I saw some data today um, that was really interesting. And basically it, it shows that, and you know, I'm not sure where this exact um, you know, study came from, but really the question is given the data Connor, do you think, from what who you know and what you know, do you agree that female founders actually generate more revenue and do 
essentially are more successful with less funding. So yeah. they do more with less. So, so to kind of give a little that? bit of background, this is based off an article that came out of, ooh, I was saying Forbes magazine. It's actually out of Fortune magazine. I should go uh, change my tweet Fortune. there. Uh, but what it was, it was a study actually by Boston Consulting Group and another company, Mass Challenge, uh, where they studied a network of startup accelerators, uh, over 350 companies, uh, where the average woman-founded company received 935000 in funding compared to men who was getting $2.1 million, so more than half uh, of what men were getting. But when it came overall with returns in revenue, women brought 730000 over a five-year period compared to men, 662. Uh, so one last year. The women-run companies are returning $0.78 cents per dollar compared to $0.31 cents for the men. Um, and I really agree with what this article has to say, um, A, that women are just doing way more than men are. And uh, the position they're being put in is, A, they're, they're, um, they're setting their expectations more rationally than the men are. They said the men tend to um, oversell, overprice themselves. Um, and so there is like a small advantage, although they're getting less resources, they're, they're positioning themselves already to be more successful. And I think that uh, tends to be because women tend to be more empathetic, understanding, and I think those are great managerial skills as well. And so those transfer over very well to growth. Um, so I'm not surprised at all that women are returning more. I, I, I can't get on board with the concept that men or women are better. Like, it's all such a specific, each company has their founder, and are they the right person to grow that company? Um, I, you know, with the whole concept of equality, I think I try to take the position that's like, is this the right person? It doesn't matter if they're a man or woman, do they have the skills, um, the relationships, the understanding, the drive to get the job done? Um, and I really just don't feel like like gender comes in should be a factor in are they going to be successful and, or not. Uh, but obviously there is completely a gender bias when it comes to investment here because just men are getting way more checks. I think that as time goes on and hopefully these numbers come back to even that those numbers are also going to be even. But right now I think women are definitely executing way better than men are um, because uh, possibly just the hurdles that they got to go over and the drive for them to be successful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think once these numbers do line up, I think it'll be completely even uh, because I really don't think that gender makes a difference in, are you going to be successful or not? Yeah. So this is an interesting question and I actually have some, you know, not so scientific, but at least some data. Um, check this out. The last five winner founders live Seattle. The last really five winners of so that's ever so a yeah, man hasn't won this whole year. In 2018, a man hasn't won, and if you go back the last ten, it looks like it's like seven out of the last ten that's awesome. have been female, and you know it's it is really great and. As I've observed it, and again, that's just Seattle. Um, you know, I would have to go further in the data for the full, you know, more across the board with Founders Live. But it's really interesting because 
the you know the constraints of the event um it's you know if you're not familiar it's a pitch it's a pitch event it's timed 99 second pitches in front of a crowd and then some q a but then at the end the crowd votes on a winner which one they thought was the best pitch and i just i just believe what i've noticed is i see that i see that women are are better prepared they are more articulate they take it more serious and whether it, it is because what you mentioned earlier, which is just if if they are behind the hurdle, even at that point in time, they are they take that opportunity serious and know that it if they do do well, it will really, really help them where men. I feel like it's more honestly, I see yeah. men winging it more often and I see men get tongue tied or like a little lost when they're up there and it's really amazing. But it proves to me that. In the end, let's pierce through what you said. And it, like when execution happens, if you remove the quote funding levels, one, females seem to actually execute better, or two, it doesn't really matter. And it's almost like a wash. And it, you know, no matter what, it, it you know, the gender doesn't necessarily determine who's going to be successful or not. Um, it really does feel like there is a bias around the initial funding and the oh, opportunities. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, there's a bias. Um, there. I, I, yeah. And I think it's uh, a really interesting thing. And like, you know, with Founders Live, we're just doing our best. We're just absolutely doing what we believe is just putting the opportunities out there. And how crazy. I mean, that's awesome that I, w- I mean, we're on a streak now. It's like, w- when, when will that change? Which, you know, we just have great companies that are presenting and that's all good. But five in a row and that's at streak. Yeah, that's still fantastic. Going right oh, now, well, so. I'm excited for the, the event uh, later here this month. Um, and I'm sure that there, yeah, there's not any yeah. pressure on the presenters or anything, but that is something that I'll like keep in mind. Like, oh, there's a streak now. Um, and so, and that's just fantastic. Yeah. There's been so many women created businesses involved with Founders Live and the presentation there. Like, that's just, um, yep. I'm, I'm glad to see that people are providing those opportunities and they're, you know, you're trying to, um, right the ship there and everything. Um, and, and so, mm-hmm. yeah. all right, so going to our next, um, concept here w- with startups and I pulled this article off of medium from, uh, an author named Rajit Singh and on June 7th. So yesterday he wrote this article called, uh, the first time entrepreneur myth and what hey you know, talks about all the traditional things about like working hard and putting the time in and never giving up, but he really focuses on this concept of, uh, a a lot there's a lot of ideas out there right and what it really comes down to successful entrepreneurs are obviously they're idea people but they're executors the executors are the people who go out and make dreams come true and so a lot of times what people who are about to start their own business and i'm very guilty of this um starting this business is they talk about ideas but then they don't go execute and then they also say they don't want to share their ideas because they're worried someone's going to steal their ideas, um, which is just kind of silly because very few people are going to go out there and and deal with it. I get there are certain environments that you don't want to go do that. Like going on Shark Tank is an iffy thing. Uh, putting your product mm-hmm. up on Kickstarter puts you in a position to be copied. Um, but when you're just like a one person and you're out there networking, like it comes down to execution. And so I can see there are times 
uh, right? Like the fi- not fidget spinner, but what was the cube one? Uh, it was like the fidget cube, which was predated the, the fidget <laughs> spinner. That happened. They a guy started a Kickstarter and he raised <clears> some money, and then some people came and produced the product way faster because they had the supply chain and they just blew them out of the water. Um, and they got to market first. And so it can't happen, but people are so afraid to like that their idea is going to get stolen. And that's really just not the fear. And so Nick, since you do talk to so many founders every single day, I mean, do you, do you still experience this? Is this, is this a myth? Are, are people still worried about sharing their ideas? Um, to me, it actually is the exact, um, it's almost like the clear indicator this is a rookie founder because I think it's one of the most, it is, it's, well, it's a misconception, which is I'm going to keep things very secret and I'm not going to tell anyone. It, it's a total misconception because even if, like, honestly, even if you're developing a create, like, I talked to someone yesterday that he's, and this is not secret, but he's, Long story short, he's creating a laser to put in a plane to shoot things on the ground that could okay. be illegal. All right. And so that's kind of out there and it's amazing and they've got a patent around it. And but it's like, look, if he doesn't tell anyone about that, not specifically how they do it, the specific build of, you know, any sort of trade secrets but the general concept, if you don't open your mouth and tell people, you never get any sort of feedback. And I totally agree with pretty much 100% of this article, which is he kind of he this guy calls BS on it. And I agree, which is the first the very first stage of creating a company and creating a product is you need to talk to people about a problem or something in in the market. And and so when early founders are like, I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm doing. Well, they're, they're, they're totally devoiding themselves of any sort of feedback that will point them that the right direction for them to get momentum and market validation. And um, the worst thing you could do because it wastes time and money is to not tell anyone spend six months, a year, two years developing something hard at work. It takes a lot of work and effort and money and development you know, paying a development team to only launch a product that no one wants. And it's the worst. Like I've seen it so many times. So um, I think this is a mistake. I think it's a misconception that people should keep things very close to the chest. I honestly would caveat it by saying, talk more about, ask people in the market about the problem, fish around what you're trying to solve. And then don't, you don't fully need to tell them we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this, we're doing like, you don't need to go into the IP issues and details of it, but please do not think that you're going to be stealth and not talk to anyone. It's the worst choice in the yeah, world definitely. as an entrepreneur. And, and when you talk to those people, like you also need to think like you're also networking to find future potential customers. Like one of the experiences that, yeah. that you and I both know really well, like when it comes to building community, that takes a very long time. Um, you know, to get loyal advocates. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have those advocates who are going to share your stuff when you're getting ready to launch, it's, it's game over before you even start. Yeah. It's, so I, I just tell anyone, I just tell them, look, t- 
talk about it, get feedback. You're going to get pointed in various directions, um, you know, towards what you're trying to solve. And that's really valuable. It's called customer development and, you know, market validation. Um, that is essential. And so I know we got one more topic here uh, about a, um, a company that is got some videos here on Founders Live. And so I actually haven't had a chance to watch the video yet. Um, but Nick, how about you take the lead and let, let everyone know yeah. about it? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the lead on this. Um, so the, the topic at hand is actually an interesting one. Um, this comes from uh, Jacob Kubica. Um, I might have been saying, I might have said his name wrong, but um, Jacob is a great guy here in Seattle. Um, I apologize for, for butchering the last name, but uh, he poses a really interesting question which is with student debt, you know, do you, first of all, like he's, he's asking, do you have it? And secondly, you know, what if there's a charity that actually, you know, basically what if, what if there's a charity that helped eliminate America's student debt and the, it is an epidemic. I mean, we're talking about more than a trillion dollars here. It's really, really sad. Um, but I think it's a slightly controversial statement in the sense that, you know, there's so many other causes in the world and, you know, a lot of them were, you know, solving homelessness, um, disabilities, um, you know, uh, hunger and starvation and, you know, just basic needs of people around the world. And yet, you know, do we want to create a, a um, nonprofit and, you know, really a charity to pay off the debt that people have in the country of America, which, you know, in the United States, which is, um, you know, the best living conditions in the world. And so I know that that's controversial because a ton of people, so many people have so much debt that they feel like they probably can't ever pay it off. But um, I think it's an interesting suggestion and conversation. Um, I personally haven't had the time to watch the video as well, but I have marked time this weekend to watch it. Um, but I would just throw it out to you, Connor. Do you think it's a good idea to create this, um, essentially a charity and a global movement to help pay off the student debt of United States teenagers or, you know, younger? 100%. Like a anyone who's disagreeing with someone creating a charity, I think is in the wrong place in general, right? Good, like, good point. Like I get that there are problems. There are a million problems with the world. Right. There are so many things. And if <laughs> yeah. someone is passionate about solving one of those problems, anyone who knocks that down, I really I have a problem with that um, be, because yeah. I just think that's silly. Um, right. And it's like, let people solve the problems they want to work on. Get out of other people's business. Right. Go fix the problems that you care about also. Um, but all right. Let me get off my so, my soapbox with that point first, um, because I personally think that the student debt crisis is going to be the next big financial crash that happens in this country. Yeah. A trillion dollars in student debt that you can't default on is it has to be paid back. This isn't going bankrupt, right? You can't just like let it all go down the drain, right? The government's asking for this back. Um, and so like, it's gonna cause a big problem because no American generation has had this kind of burden put on them, put on them in this kind of way, because there, there have been plenty of generations previously that have had their struggles, uh, whether 
It was through immigration, through wars. I mean, lots of wars. Um, you know, all, all these mm-hmm. things that have happened. But what our generation is going to go through is the student debt crisis. Um, because it's really a hole that we can't get out of. So someone's going to have to solve this problem and it, it's going to hurt real badly uh, because – oh, go ahead. Well, yeah. Yeah, I would – look, I I definitely agree. I, um, you know, and I'll be honest and say that I slipped out of college by graduating and not having any um, personal student debt. So I, this is not a problem that hits me deep as maybe you or others or whoever right um so that's it's just like a problem that i don't deal with with that doesn't mean i don't have other financial things to deal with but it's something that i i do 100 percent believe that if there's a way to first of all this is a creative way to help solve the problem and i think in the end talk about one of the worst things to hang over the head of our future of our country is this bs like just this thing that you know we're told the american dream go get you need to go to college and oh by the way you can just borrow money and in the end it just has ballooned into this like massive thing that overhangs our country and it will if not dealt with it will hold back people for from pursuing the things that they want to pursue to work the jobs and create the businesses they want to create um, so it needs to be figured out. And if this is one way to innovatively solve that problem, I am 100% behind it. Um, my only caveat is, you know, it's just in, you know, uh, the amount of the creating is, yes, we need is charities for everything. And we need we need to help solve all, many of the world's problems. And where does this fit in that? Um, again, I, I wrote on Founders Live, it, it really just falls into whoever wants to, the end, the end person that's giving the money has, should have a choice in where they put it. And if they choose to put it towards this cause, well, that's awesome. So um, it really does fall on the end donator to give yeah, the money. Yeah, so I mean, the, that concept's going to be real interesting. If, if someone can create a charity that does donations and they find um, candidates to do that debt relief, that will be, I mean, there, there, there's an interesting opportunity there. I work with Habitat for Humanity a lot. And, um, you know, they, what they do is they mostly work for veterans and they find veterans and, and they help place them in these um, homes. And so yeah. finding the candidates is going to be the, the interesting political dance that they're going to have to do um, to be like who gets relief and who doesn't get relief. Um, but hey, if they can raise a trillion dollars or if they can just make an impact on the fact that colleges keep raising the prices, um, then that's, a, oh, it's, I it's mean, terrible, in the four years dude. that I went to college and this was um, starting a decade ago, right? The, the prices went up like over 50%, which is just absolutely insane. And I don't even <laughs> want to, I won't even look at what the price is now. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be a huge ongoing problem. Yeah. So anyone who's even looking for a solution, like I applaud them for, for trying. Exactly. Cool. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you today. so much. I hope you enjoy the upcoming weekend, Nick. Um, but to end the show off here, um, you got any parting words and lastly, um, just a little self-promotion plug. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Founders Live. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook. 
And I guess my, my ask is, hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Founders Live and you are a entrepreneur and builder, um, you got to check it out. It's great stuff. And we are in like 15 cities now in terms of our monthly events. Uh, so, you know, just dig a little bit, check it out. And maybe there's an event That's coming awesome. up in your city. Uh, maybe for the future podcast, Nick, we should talk about some of these other companies outside of Seattle that are pitching. Um, like, because now we that should. you've got we all should. these events going, there's, there's pretty much a Founders Live pitching event every week. Um, so we probably could get a company um, just like how we did today with the pay it forward that we could talk about each week and just kind of give them some a little bit extra promotion. Yeah. It's a great idea. Cool. We'll start uh, once that again, in. thank you very much for watching the or listening to the Catching Up podcast with Connor and Nick. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us or message us at Founders Live. Uh, please leave us a review on Anchor, Google Play, or iTunes Store. We appreciate that greatly. And we will uh, see you next Friday. Thank you very much. Rest in, rest in peace, right. Anthony Bourdain. Peace.